Hello, listeners. Just a little disclaimer before the episode starts. We recorded this one before Halloween, which is why there are a number of references to Halloween and Halloween music. So don't worry, you have not fallen into a time warp, and I do not listen to Halloween music in November. At least, not that I would publicly admit. Okay, enjoy this week's episode of Tangents. And welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. Hello, everyone. Today we're joined by Stefan Chin. What's Hello. your tagline? Ooh, uh, rip him up, Scotty. And also <laughs> Sam Schultz. Hello. <laughs> What's what? your tagline? Already listening to Halloween music. Ooh. Oh, By the time this comes out, that won't be weird. But <laughs> at the time we're recording it, it's tr- a little troubling. <laughs> <laughs> we're also joined by Sari Riley over here on the Science Couch. Hello. Tagline lady? Soup boy. Soup boy. Soup and I, boy. Hey, soup boy, get over here. Yeah. I'm Hank <laughs> Green. Pan fried lattes. So to explain what we're doing here at SciShow Tangents, every week we get together and we try to one-up each other. We try to amaze each other. We try to delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we are also keeping score and we will be awarding Hank Bucks to people who do well on our challenges. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by the previous conversations we have had before, it will we will not be good at that. So if you want to go on a tangent, this rule is a matter of debate amongst the panelists. Well, we're still feeling it <laughs> we're out. We're still feeling it out. You have to spend a Hank buck to go on your tangent. I would gladly lose every round, every game. Just do just it. Just for my tangent. Hey, I think it's <laughs> I okay. I think okay. it's okay to not win. Okay. Phew. You're you, right. don't, I don't, you don't seem like the kind of person who is always trying to win at the games. Little games is fine. Board oh. games, love to win them. Mm. Video games, can't get enough of winning them. Mm-hmm. Like life and stuff. Meh. <laughs> Life, so this is just that's small right. it's too hard that's right yeah. life is not a game yeah it's not there's nothing it's not a game sure. to win or lose yeah it's a health that's healthy of me yeah very thank you for that <laughs> thanks thank you <laughs> for that dose of wisdom sam schultz we're gonna start out as we always do with a science poem and this week i hank green am your science poet so have you any of you ever played the game kerbal space program I've, I've never played play it. I've watched people play it. It's a game where you uh, run a space program and you try and get your little kerbals into space. And, uh, and so this is a poem about my general experience playing Kerbal Space Program. Mm-hmm. The engines on her rocket were lit. I instructed her booster to floor it. But then my mom called and I didn't press pause. She ran out of fuel in her orbit. Orbital mechanics give me the panics whenever I play KSP. My rescue sped faster, but then flew right past her. A satellite she always will be. Oh. That's beautiful. (laughs) That game's not that old that you were living with your mom while you played it, No, my mom called on the phone. Oh. Sorry to imply that you were living with your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And yes, I have left many a Kerbin as artificial satellites around the planet Kerbal because Ooh. it's very hard to get them back down once you do that. Is, and so if you look at my my game, there's just a lot of them floating around up there. And they all seem fine. Like they're still Are alive? Are they alive? Yeah. Are they dead? They don't <laughs> die. They, you can kill Kerbals, but not yeah. by starvation. They have to blow oh, up no. or something? Yeah, you have to blow them up. Huh. Can you get them back? You can get them back if you're an exceptionally skilled player at the game oh. and have the time to do it. Okay. 
But before we continue to talk about Kerbal Space Program for the rest of the episode, Sari, can you define what a satellite is for the listeners at home and also maybe me? I had to look this up, too, because I'm not a super intense space person. Mm. It's, to my knowledge, an object that orbits around another bigger object. So it can be natural, like a moon, or it Mm. can be artificial, like a metal chunk that we put up there to do something. Does that so mean like a spaceship? Put a metal chunk? <laughs> or like a metal a, chunk like, with yeah. purpose. Okay. Yeah, a purposeful, a purposeful metal chunk. chunk. Yeah. It's got, it's got more than metal. Yeah. It's a chunk okay. of metal and silicon. Other and elements like. in there. <laughs> yeah. Space age rubber. Yeah. yeah. Is that a, Spa- it's got so space age rubber. Mm-hmm. Gaskets. Yeah. yeah. Got some nice stickers maybe. Is the sun a satellite? Mm, yes. Yes. I guess... Satellites are defined relative to the system that they're in. Yeah. Maybe. But I guess, like, because the sun is part of the galaxy. I guess yeah, it's, it's just like it's, the Earth is part of the solar system. Yeah. That's it orbits true. the center orbits of the galaxy. The, there's the black hole there, too. Yeah. yeah. So, it, like, the more massive object that the sun orbits is all of the other mass inside mm. of the solar system. But so. is that considered enough of an object for the sun to be considered a satellite? I don't know. Is the sun a satellite, you guys? I'll tell you what, the internet doesn't seem to have any strong thoughts on whether the sun is a satellite. Oh. I'm going to call it, it is. Okay. That is my opinion, is that the sun is a satellite. The science couch declares, I'll, I'll get on board with that just for the heck of it. Science couch declares the sun is a satellite, a you natural it, satellite. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. You heard it here first. And if Settled. we're wrong, you let us know and we'll yeah. issue a correction. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why space episodes make me nervous, because I can just say whatever. I don't know if it's right anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But at least you're not supposed to know. Yeah. <laughs> which is what, why it's so great to just be a general science dilettante like me. If we hit a biochemistry episode, I'm going to feel super pressure mm-hmm. to not get mm. things wrong. But generally, I like I just read like pop size stuff. <laughs> so I, I'm not I'm not supposed to really know. The real answer would drive you mad. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But we should say that more often. That's my excuse. (laughs) Can't look too deep into the abyss. Our first segment of the episode is... One of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of them is true. The other... Three panelists have to figure out, either by deduction or wild guesses, which is the true fact. If we get it right, we get a Hank Buck. If we are tricked, the presenter gets a Hank Buck. Everyone, Sam this week has brought three science facts for us to noodle over, and I'm very excited to find out what they are. Sam. Ooh, all right. You, you guys ever heard of Mir? Mir? Mir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. M-I-R. Yeah. The space station. Space station. Yeah, yeah, space station launched in uh, 1986. Its name means, can be translated to mean peace or village mm. or something else. One, there were three. <laughs> <laughs> That's two of them. So the Soviet Union launched this, uh, they launched the space station and uh, it was up there for like almost 20 years, then it crashed into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, but in its decade, But on purpose, to be clear. <laughs> oh, it yeah. wasn't like I mean, people in it at the time. No, no, they, they all say. got out of there. Yeah. They have plenty of warning that it's going to crash into the ocean. Um, but in its decade of service, some weird stuff happened on it. Here's okay. three potential weird things. Oh, I know. Okay. Oh, all right, good, number good. one. 
Mir was riddled with giant free-floating hairballs that jammed vital systems. Oh. Two. What? Wait. They're... Okay. Gross. You keep going. Mir launched and tested a giant mirror that redirected the sun's light to combat the long, dark Russian winters. Okay. Or three, Mir smelled like caramel popcorn and nobody could figure out why. <gasps> <laughs> I mean, considering what I imagine space to smell like, that sounds great. Like, my thought has always been like, well, you're, it's basically like being in car with the doors closed and the windows up all the time. For like a year. And everybody's like probably stress sweating constantly. Yeah. Too. And like no easy way to take a shower. Yeah. And also I'm not entirely clear on how pooping works. So what are our facts again, Sam? Okay. Free-floating giant hairballs infested okay. mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, the giant space satellite giant space uh, mirror. Satellite mirror. And the caramel popcorn. It smelled like caramel popcorn. Well, I feel like if there were giant floating hairballs, people wouldn't know. People would, and it'd be pretty well, easy to clean up. I'm also dubious about hairballs because I feel, I feel like, it'd be like easy that's to a clean up. solvable problem. Also, they're soft. So, like, you don't want other things flying around. So, maybe if someone like lost a hair clump, you could collect it. It wouldn't be an immediate crisis. Right. The popcorn smell. Sounds interesting. That sounds I, real because to me. That one sounds the most it real. It sounds the most real because, like, people talk about the metallic smell of space all the time. Mm. So it would make sense that right. we Wait. did something wrong and it smelled sweet of instead. Space. <laughs> of space or of, spaceships? Of or spaceships. Spaceships. Yeah. I can sort of imagine, like, that smell coming off of, like, something going a little bit weird with the electronics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, a little bit of a burned mm-hmm. smell. What was the purpose of the mirror? It was to Makes warm sense. up Russia. This is a thing that I did hear about. That like Russia definitely huh. did this. I don't know the, if it was launched from Mir, and I don't know if it actually happened. Maybe I'm getting confused, and it was just planned. But they launched a giant mirror into space to like shine light, like extra light yeah. on areas of Russia to like make it brighter, so they could see better at night. Or because you, so you, you never want to stop warmer. working. Because you don't want to stop working. It's Russia. And screw the rest of the world. We put something in space, so let's just use the mirror for just well, us. Well, it was a tiny, it's like a tiny <laughs> oh, little dot. Little. They can't yeah. use it to shine all of the... Yeah. could do more. They could do a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could do a bunch of them. And in fact, there have been proposals to send mirrors up to reflect light away from Earth. Mm. Oh. To, if to if global warming starts to get out of hand. Into. I've heard about that. Yeah. So not to... Like, oh, not now, like not it. like as things currently are, but if stuff starts to get really bad and yeah. sort of like a runaway thing that... It's leading us toward like Venus, that you could put a bunch of stuff at like L1, the mm-hmm. point between the gravitationally stable place between Earth and the Sun. You put a bunch of like mirrors that would shine light away. Like, just do you block. even need mirrors? Well, just, like, it turns out that block. mirror is a like mirror, mirror material is the easier thing to oh. do than like a black gotcha. material because mm. the black material would get really hot. Mm. So you want to reflect mm. it away. Makes hmm. sense. What a sad state of affairs that would be. That'd hey, be it's better than it's better than yeah. boiling becoming, oceans. Yeah, as soon as Venus, the oceans though. start to boil, that is really <laughs> then it then it's like all it's basically over because then then all the water vapor is like a really strong greenhouse gas and that's in the air and that's trapping the, the heat too. So you really it would have to get way way hotter. You want to happen though, right? Y- yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the ocean is nowhere near boiling anywhere. Right. It's a very high temperature. Would we be around still when the ocean's boiling? I bet there'd still be some people. Okay. Not the n- number we have now. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Um, so we haven't. So the space mirror. Mm. I know that this is a thing. I think that they did it. 
Uh, they did like a small scale test <sighs> version of huh. it. I d- but I don't think that it launched from Mir. I, I don't think they did it. Well, and I also they- don't think that it went up on Mir because I don't think they did it. Okay. Oh, insubordination. <laughs> insubordinate. Well, we're going to find out. We'll find out, yeah. Because th- that is definitely a partial true fact. I'm going to go with space popcorn, you yeah, guys. And I think I everybody else space is. space popcorn. We're all in on space popcorn. <laughs> Do we get it wrong? Do we get wrong? Was it was the ball? space mirror. It was you the oh, no! <laughs> oh, my God. Sam's rolling in the Hank box. Oh. All right, so. Oh, man, I should have gone for out. Yeah. Ah. The space mirror was weird. And it was, was going to get weirder. Hypothetical. No, so Vladimir Cyril Myatnikov was a Russian scientist who invented a lot of the early ways for space capsules to like hook onto each other. So like mm. some kind of ceiling thing that two space capsules would meet and whoop, connect to each other. Mm-hmm. But what he really wanted to do was make solar sails so that they could explore space. But the Soviet government convinced him that he should concentrate on something more practical. So he changed his research to be about the space mirror and redirecting light to Russia so that people could work longer mm-hmm. and there'd be free light and heat. So he worked on that for a long time. He started before the Soviet Union fell and it's the project survived the fall of the Soviet Union. Eventually he developed Znamya, which was a 65-foot satellite-mounted mirror. And uh, they shot it up into space and it sat on the mirror for a little while. The mirror, the mirror sat on the mirror and eventually, <laughs> eventually they sent it out and it uh, opened up and it bounced a five kilometer wide beam of light wow. about the intensity of the full moon back at the earth. Um, oh. The clouds kind of messed it up, so it wasn't that impressive, <laughs> but it technically worked. The Russian government got really excited and they had this big plan to do more mirrors so that they could light a bunch of stuff at once. So they sent another one into space. They launched that one off the mirror, but it got stuck on the mirror. And it got all smashed up. So then after that, they were like, eh, we don't really care anymore. So the the plan just kind of like stopped in its tracks. But people were starting to get worried because it would be like people's rhythms are going to get screwed up. There's going to be like these big space mirrors everywhere. Yeah, do we need to throw more energy at the Earth right now? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it'd be nice to have them up there just in case you want to flip them around, though. Be like, hey, sorry, less sun. We want less sun. Yeah, well, if you live in <laughs> Siberia, maybe you want more sun. Right. But uh, so that was the but space But for mirror. Phoenix, Arizona, maybe just have a little disc up there, give them a little shade around noon. Yeah, just make one. How big it's is like five a... kilometers? I don't know. Large? That's a question. Yeah, for yeah a it's pretty big. <laughs> pretty big. That's not the size it's of the mirror, miles. though. That's the size that of the That was the size of the shadow it yeah. made, yeah. 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 So they could just go hang out in the big circle of shade for the day. That'd be great. That when, does sound nice. When this, the eclipse happened, we were here, I was here in Missoula, and it... It was only like 70, 80%, but the temperature dropped like 10 degrees mm-hmm. in that period of time. And I was like, this is cool and weird. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the other two are based on stuff also. Mm-hmm. So the giant hairballs, there actually were floating globs of water that were filled with dozens of different like funguses and oh, uh, um, bacteria, protozoa, <laughs> dust mites, and everybody was really worried that something would happen and they yeah. would get like sucked into the the yeah. air and give everybody horrible diseases. <laughs> then they were worried that when they crash landed, they would have mutated somehow. No. And then, well, people were worried about it, but they all Somebody just burned else. up. It was fine. And then the other thing is it smells like caramel popcorn. It actually just smelled like shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> There was this weird fungus that infected the, like a metal eating fungus got into the ship and it was melting the metal and making it stink. That's a plot of a Star Trek episode. Literally a plot of a Star Trek episode. Well, they stole it from Mir. (laughs) Did it make everything stink in the episode? No. Oh, okay. No, but it was 
causing a lot of problems on the USS Enterprise. Yeah, people said by the end of the mirror, the mirror smelled real bad. So I get three bucks. All right. Well, you just, you keep you keep <laughs> loading them up, Sam. Uh, in the meantime, we have to earn some a real bucks for all of us. So we're gonna hear from a couple of our sponsors. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. And we're back. I have one point. Sam. You have all the rest of the points. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's three points and nothing for Stefan or Sari. <laughs> so let's see how this goes in the end. I think you're probably going to win. I think it's impossible for me not to. <laughs> it is now time for the SciShow Tangents Fact Off. So two of our panelists have brought science facts to present to the other panelists in an attempt to blow their minds. The presentees each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most, and we can choose not to award the Hank Buck if we just want to throw it in the trash. And to decide who goes first, we're going to go with who likes Dave Matthews Band the least. The least? The least. (laughs) Who likes Dave Matthews Band the least? I've never listened to Dave Matthews Band. Do you have an opinion of Dave Matthews Band? Um, pretty neutral. Pretty neutral? Yeah. Okay, Sari. I don't know who they are. I didn't you know. I didn't know they existed. Uh, you didn't know that was a thing before those it, words were just said. Before one those guy words were just said yes. No, no, Dave Matthews and his band. I don't even like them, and I know everything about them. <laughs> yeah, compared he's to a you. man. His name is Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> anyway, I think by default, Stefan probably dislikes, dislikes them more because more. he's actually aware of who they are and made the choice not to listen to them. Oh, that's right. That's my I guess. Reason. Whereas Sarah oh, has never consciously made a choice to a not choice. get into Dave Matthews. She could have just learned about her favorite new band. Yeah, today. check it out. Go <laughs> home. Listen to Satellite. Don't drink the water and such. How much do you like Dave Matthews fans? <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to music regularly at all. So do, you, like, do you like uh, something? Is there some kind of music that is good for Sari? Is it just like you're into classical what? or like musical? What do you or listen something? to? I don't listen to, to audio books. You just like, sit in silence. Yeah, you've ridden <laughs> in a car with me before. It's just silence. Ooh. I just like live with my own thoughts in this hellscape. Jesus. <laughs> That's horrible. You should listen to music. Mu- I, I feel there, like there's science that says that people who listen to happy music for two weeks every day. Become happier people. I read an article about it today, <laughs> and the happiest song that they found of all the people rating which ha- songs were happiest was Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. 
Huh. Oh, that's a great a song. Very good song. Sure. There you you go. know that song? Yes, I know. Maybe. Hey, the I have a whole yeah. I have a whole playlist of Halloween music I can sing. <laughs> if you want to dip your foot in okay. with novelty music, yeah, start from the '60s. All right. Okay. Stefan. Okay. So earwigs have wings, which is not a thing that I knew before looking this up, but mm. they do. And they look kind of like those like Japanese fans that you like flick your wrist and they fold out. So they have all these little folds in them and their wings don't require any muscle activation to open or close. They like release a special joint and they pop open and then it must it's like, like a similar action and they completely fold up. And they're stable in both positions, but they sort of unfold and fold automatically. And they're, they're also, they are the smallest when compact compared to when they're open. Uh, they have that the best ratio out of all winged things uh, in the animal kingdom. But basically, researchers have figured out how their folding mechanism works. And they think that that can be used for a variety of things like better maps and tents and like all kinds of shit but uh but also potentially for like solar sails or different appendages on satellites uh i've read something similar about ladybug wings which oh, i was watched I like a slow-mo video of how ladybug wings work and how they fold up inside of their casings oh. which you don't think about but Weird. yeah they described them like as origami in in the mm-hmm. sort of way but it's it, they don't obey the laws that origami does <laughs> Like part of how it works is that you have to have elasticity in the folds to basically like store energy in a way and act as a spring. Mm. And so like the they 3D printed a bunch of like models of this where it's like these hard plastic sheets that are connected with um, softer elastic bits. And by varying the thickness of those bits, like you can get it to like form the shape that you want. Boy, what a beautiful thing too. If you go and Google some some earwig wings, on uh, on Google, <laughs> really, really pretty ones. Wait, so have they made satellites with this technology yet? Or no. They so this was actually fairly recent. This was a few months ago. That okay. They, like, oh. sort of figured this out. So it's cool. Prototyping, but it's uh, it, like sort of reminds me of a slap bracelet in a way. In the <laughs> way that you like push the end and then it slaps into the other position. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's very weird. And then so, it, when you get it out, and then it stays. Yeah. It's it's so stable it's, in both it's stable. positions. Yeah, exactly. So it takes muscles to put them back in position, though. It I'd must, imagine, right? It must. The the phrase was like release a special joint. Uh-huh. Oh. So it seems huh. like there's a thing that like lock a locking mechanism, and when they release that, it it like automatically snaps to the other. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. I think we have heard and thought enough, and it is time for Sari to lay down her fact for the fact off. Ooh. Three, two, one, begin. Okay, so before we had satellites that could communicate by sending radio waves uh, to send signals back to antennas on the Earth to get pictures beamed back to us. TV? Uh, Is that TV? TV, and also (laughs) just like images of the Earth. Oh, (laughs) sorry. We had film cameras and Mm -hmm. early spy rockets, which I didn't learn until today, had to take film. So they took up like up to 60 miles of film, recorded it for 124 days, and then launched it back towards the Earth. <laughs> oh, my God. And then a plane had to swoop by and try and grab this film to take oh. it back to get developed so that Wait, researchers had the, to scrutinize it. Why didn't it just it. land on the ground? Because then people would have to pick it up. And one time they did. One time it fell into the ocean and the U.S. had to launch a submar- submarine and go find it on a secret <laughs> reconnaissance mission. One time it landed in Venezuela. Oops. Uh, 
and <clears throat> it was bad. The end. Did, so, so why, why, why? Explain to me why they couldn't just let them fall on the ground. Because is there a parachute? Are they on a parachute already? They're in what was called a bucket. It's like this capsule. What was Film called bucket. a bucket? Was it it's a bucket? It's a five-gallon bucket. Technical yeah. term. It's what people call a bucket. It was from Ace Hardware. <laughs> and it had, a, it had a lid and a handle. No, it was plastic. It was like one of the sandcastle buckets. Oh, uh, good. Like a, just a pail? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was, it was in what was called a bucket. With a parachute. The plane had to go and catch the parachute. Yes. And I'm guessing it's just because... Like, we can generally target where things land, and I think they intended a lot of these to land in the Pacific Ocean, like, by Hawaii or in Mm -hmm. that empty region, but they weren't sure. They didn't want civilians to know about it. All this was classified till the mid-'90s or, like, I think 2011 was when they did another wave of declassification. Uh, so no, no one had to know that these existed, and so you just had to like send a plane with basically don't a bug catching net. Don't let touch the ground. Yeah, don't let anyone have a possibility of even seeing it, and you going to collect this mysterious capsule. I just I feel like that's <laughs> that somebody convinced somebody to spend a bunch of money when they didn't I, need to. It definitely like it made sense to me when I first heard it, but now I'm like. Yeah, like if they if they know where it's landing well enough to know to like fly a plane right past it, then you you know where you can send a boat. Yeah, to just or, hang out yeah. or like you could just make it land like outside of Area Fifty One. Yeah, in like a field that you like, <laughs> or just the, there's a bunch of places that the government owns <laughs> yeah. that have fences around it. A lot of America. <sighs> they could have dropped it on the White House. <laughs> and the president just could have gone up and taken a look. Probably noticed. not the White House. Just like this huge like, capsule coming down. Like a five-gallon bucket from Ace Hardware <laughs> yeah. with a big parachute on it. Oh, like, top they... secret, like, Brandon <laughs> on the side. Interesting. <laughs> I'm interested so in one... the cameras that they had on the satellites. Were they just, like, how, how good of pictures were they taking, do you know? I think they got it down to, like, one meter to half a meter resolution. Okay. So not as That's good not as the current bad. satellites we had, but not bad. Yeah. Um... I think they had yeah. some sort. They had usually had two cameras on the satellites, and they got bigger and bigger. So they started out. The Corona program was the starting one, but then Hexagon was the biggest. So the Hexagon had two panoramic mirror cameras that rotated, and they swept back and forth. So I imagined like kind of a robot like sweeping. And apparently, intelligence officials referred to it as mowing the lawn, oh. which seems like a very what? weird corporate thing to say. So like the CIA <laughs> agents were bustling around while just mowing the just lawn mowing. across <laughs> China today. I love the ingenuity of things. Like, we went to space too early, and then we had to figure out a bunch of weird ways <laughs> right. to do things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we end up with globs of, like, water oh, behind everything. Yeah, f- and... fun- fungusy globs of water <laughs> yeah. and dropping giant canisters of miles and miles of film. <laughs> yeah. And but catching it with an develop. airplane. You have to yeah. develop all yeah. of that. Oh, <laughs> you, have so to, stupid. you have to take it to Walgreens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Send it away. Here's 60 miles of film, please. Yeah. How you long said, it take? says so, one hour. Yeah. <laughs> Hurry up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Well, I, so Uh, that's good. I think I got to give it to uh, Stefan. I feel like Sarah's was really good, but Stefan's is like the future of mankind. I'm a big enough fan of early space flight that I'm a sucker for early space facts. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go with Sari. Mm, yeah. Noted. And now it is time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds, of which I am apparently one. So we have 
a question, and it's read by me, according to our show notes, so I'm going to ask it. It's from (laughs) Marie, who asks, who decides where each human-made satellite goes? Well, somebody. This is a good question. Mm -hmm. Because they can can knock against each other, and you want to make sure that doesn't happen. I sometimes get the picture from people that we're afraid that space is super full. Mm-hmm. And that, like, yeah. like things are going to start knocking into each yeah. other, and then we're going to have like a scenario like uh, gravity with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney, and mm-hmm. things just suddenly it's just a sphere of pure space trash. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of space in space. I don't know if you've noticed, but Earth is big. Mm-hmm. Space is even bigger. <laughs> uh, and if you have like sort of the sphere around the Earth. That is like a good place for satellites to be, like like an optimal orbit for like be, being geostationary or something. Then like you're looking at going out from Earth into this new sphere with a larger diameter. And so there's a lot of space, but you do have to keep track of it. So that is a thing that I felt that like there's so much space and like we'll, like we'll never launch enough satellites to fill all that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of debris from things breaking up. and But I did find this is a... Fun side fact a little bit, but I found that uh, in low Earth orbit, there's still enough atmospheric drag that it sort of clears itself of debris. Mm-hmm. And so those orbits tend like to be... Like the space shuttle orbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is a point out in space where the real estate is actually kind of limited, and that's at a point directly above the equator, about 35,786 kilometers out into space, which is pretty far. Uh, (laughs) But basically, there's this ring that if you're in that, at that altitude, you're orbiting at the same speed that Earth rotates. And so to people on the ground, you don't move in the sky, which is great for like a communication satellite or something. Right, like all the the TV, like the satellite TV when you have, you have to point at one point in space and not move Mm -hmm. your satellite. And so you want the satellite to stay in the same place relative to that person's house. Right. But so there's... A limited number of spaces where satellites can be and not interfere with each other. Mm-hmm. I sh- I'm sure there's still a lot of space, but there is an international body that assigns those slots to people. And another fun fact: in 1976, eight nations tried to claim the space above their countries as sovereign territory, but everyone else was like, "Nah, we've got the Outer Space Treaty. This is in space. That's a different different jurisdiction." So. Claim rejected. Were we one of them? No. Okay, cool. But now we're like, let's militarize space. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. That why haven't we done that yet? That seems like a no-brainer. Let's (laughs) let's put weapons there. Yeah. I'm in. I'm gonna sign up. You're gonna sign up for space the space force? I'm gonna be the general of the space force. (laughs) I mean, if anybody, I would want it to be you. It's gonna be me. If there's gonna be a space force and it needs a general, Sam Uh, Schultz is my first choice. Yeah, I'm gonna save you from the aliens when they come. (laughs) That's not what I want from you. Oh, what do you want from me? I want you to use the power of the space force to build empathy. Ah. I could do Uh, that. We could etch some nice stuff in the moon. Is that yeah, what you want? I'm gonna add some nice stuff in the moon. Yeah, like that's Sharp my... Chippendale does in the tip. <laughs> yeah, but mine will say, be nice. <laughs> oh. How about that? Just the moon with be nice written in it with <laughs> yeah. a giant space laser? Yeah. Yes. Okay. We finally got merch for tangents. <laughs> <laughs> um, the moon, by the way, is. 238,000 uh, miles, 384,000 kilometers yep. away. So 10 times farther than geosynchronous orbit. So that's mm-hmm. how far geosynchronous orbit is. It's pretty far it's away. Pretty far. Yeah. Are there any other like crowded 
or useful orbits? Yeah. So also in the geosynchronous orbits or geostationary, I think geostationary is the one point. Geosynchronous is it's just the same speed that the Earth is turning, mm. which can stay. Oh, at any longitude, but the equator is like prime, prime real gotcha. estate because right. that's the exact same spot. There are geostationary operational environmental satellites that send atmospheric information and just constantly monitor. And those are mainly for like big storm systems happening. So I think like big water vapor changes, big wind changes, hurricanes reporting, things like that. There are medium orbits, which are around 20,200 kilometers above the surface. Uh, and a satellite at that height takes around 12 hours to complete an orbit. So you can go like cross the same spot twice a day. Is there a certain orbit that people aren't allowed to go into, like where the space station is or something? Space station is at one of the Lagrange points, I think. Maybe? No. no. No, it's just orbiting. No. Telescopes are at the Lagrange points. Maybe. There are some telescopes at Lagrange points. That's okay. where the James Webb is going. That's probably what I read. Yeah. What's a Lagrange point? Uh, <laughs> so uh, there are gravitationally stable points at for any two-body system. Mm -hmm. So if the sun is part of the system and the earth is part of the system, there's a place between the sun and the earth where something can sit and not move. And it just hmm. orbits the sun and the earth is tugging on it the same amount that the sun is tugging on it. Mm -hmm. There's another one on the other side of the earth that will always be in the shadow of the earth. Mm -hmm. So it orbits along with the earth always in a direct line. Like you can draw a line from the sun through the earth to this point that's gravitationally stable. And it's basically orbiting from its perspective, the sun and the earth are the are one body, mm. and it's orbiting that body. And that's the one where the Webb Space Telescope is going to be because it's always in the shadow of earth, and so it won't be interfered with by the sun. Like, Whoa. there won't be any light there. All right. Well, that seems like a good end. Yeah. Which brings us to our final scores. Anybody want to guess who won? Was it me? It was you. <laughs> the rest of us all have one point. Well, at least we're on the board, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Sam is a stupid mirror. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this show, there are several ways you can help us out, and it's really easy to do that, and we really appreciate it. First, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us know how you think we're doing, and it also helps get the word out about the show. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. Thank you to at Rodney Rock and at George Garrett and everybody else who tweeted us your questions. And finally, if you want to show your love for tangents, you can just tell people about us. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production with WNYC Studios. It's produced by us and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our art and music are by Hiroka Matsushima and Joseph Tunamedish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our wonderful patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing.
Uh, so the increase in private space exploration has brought up concerns that private companies will land on the moon and mess up all the sites where the original landers landed, including the poop that the astronauts pooped and threw on the ground. <laughs> they're they're worried. So Heritage Foundations are worried oh. that they're going to land there and they're going to be like, there's poop everywhere and clean it all poop. up. But it's historic poop. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> 